enter if you dare this ghastly conversation of teens fraught with despair and recent lacerations. Final girl, chase after her, don't let her get away. But first, the slumber podcast massacre. Okay, here we go. I always, I always hit it. It comes in too sharp on the welcome. Oh, okay. So I feel like I want to like somehow ramp you do it the, to like, it. Welcome, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> welcome to Slumber Podcast Massacre with TNA. Hey, that's Tim. Hey, that's Andy. We have to have done that sixty <laughs> times already. And this is a podcast about horror. Every week, Tim and I get together. We talk about a different movie from the horror genre, from your well-known classic down to that rare gem that has a light switch that controls the TV at the back of your <laughs> video store's shelf. This week, Tim and I are putting our thumbs out and putting our thumbs up for the 1986 thriller, The Hitcher. Tim, I've got a great question for you. But first, yes, we have some exciting news oh yeah let's get right into it it. first yeah we gotta do this first uh very exciting uh very exciting news we're very happy to announce we're gonna be doing our first live show holy shit october 22nd at our old stomping grounds current stomping grounds i don't know how that works you know well-traveled stomping grounds grounds, yeah. yeah uh the chicago street theater in valparaiso indiana uh october 22nd we will be they themselves are uh, producing the play Misery. Uh, this will be a, 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 a like an event. It's for their closing night. Yeah. So um, you, we'll come in, do an episode on the movie Misery. Yes. Uh, there will be a costume. You can wear a costume that night. The, we will be judging the costume contest, and then uh, the the players, whomever. I'm not sure who's in the show. I know one person. Very talented actors. Yes. Yes, of course. Some very talented actors on their closing night of the show Misery in play form that Bruce Willis was in with Laurie Metcalf. But they're not in this version. No, by no means. (laughs) So you'll get a better than Bruce Willis performance guaranteed. (laughs) Yes. Yes, certainly that. And yeah, and booze. (laughs) Yes. Don't don't forget. There will be a cash bar. Yes. And... Uh, free hors d'oerves. Yeah, free hors d'oeuvres. They have a really nice spread. Uh, so it's like a nice little fundraiser night for the theater. Uh, it's $50. We will have, so for that, you get our show, you get the hors d'oeuvres, you get a cash bar, and you get a play. Closing night of a play, which yeah. is a great night. Oh, yeah. The Everyone, the energy is there. They pull out all the stops. They do. You know, do. do you know where that phrase comes from? Uh, ships? Uh, in Oregon. Oh, where they pull out all those knobs. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this this uh, show will be more exciting than that fact, however. <laughs> no, I like that. <laughs> um, but no. In your mind, you're playing a pipe organ. That's, yeah. That's a fun fact. Yeah. I, I, I love playing pipe. And uh, <laughs> so here we have, like, picture this. Just, just picture you're going to walk into a theater. There's going to be people in costume. Maybe you are, too. 
there's going to be food, there's going to be booze. And then maybe you're like, well, what is a, what will a live podcast be like? And I think that's an excellent question because we don't necessarily know the answer to that. But what we do know is that if you've ever felt any fun or energy or excitement from listening to this show, you're going to feel it times a thousand when we're right in front of you, we're referencing you. Lord knows I probably and These I are big promises and I, I and I, I'm going to apologize now because you know me and I'm probably going to just be staring out at the crowd the <laughs> entire time. So you're it'll be an immersive experience. I'm not saying. Oh, uh, yes. I could see you getting in front of a crowd and clamming up. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll hit well, What a, do yeah. I do? So. <laughs> Do you think that I should say things about some of my own personal experiences? Um, No, it's going to be fun. It's going to be all the excitement and and the energy that we have with the regular show, but in a party atmosphere, food, booze. Plus, after that's all over, you actually get, like you said, a stage version and production of the show Misery. So that is is a complete night. Like you could go to like a Halloween party and maybe the person went to a little bit of effort to put up some decorations and they've got some spooky music playing or a horror movie on their TV or whatever. This is like a full on event. You get the food, you get the booze, you get the costume contest, you get the podcast live and topped all off with an actual live yeah. performance. It's like five things. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like $10 a thing. Yeah. Like, well, it's like a complex. The bar is an extra 10. It's like a least. horror complex. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we'll, in the description or in like the notes of this episode, I will have the link for tickets uh, for fans of the podcast. I got a promo code. Promo code slumber. We'll get you 10% off Ooh. your order. Uh, so yeah, that's for you guys. Yeah, you faithful listeners. Yeah. Now the truth faithful will have already bought them because this has already been like on our Instagram. So you're a true fan if you've paid full price for these. (laughs) And you know what we should do? Now we're in the planning stages. We've been getting together every single night for six to eight hours planning this (laughs) intensely. (laughs) And, um, or I'm sure we will at some point, but you know, um, I imagine, I don't want to say too much, but um, I mean, maybe at least some sort of mention for our, our patrons. I mean, they deserve a little shout out. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if if you're a patron, if you've been a patron of the show and you're like, hey, I've been a patron for, you know, two years and where the fuck is my keychain? Um, <laughs> then, you know, maybe we'll we'll give you a little mention, a little shout out. So we'll yeah. make you feel special. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. So cool. Yeah. Um Come to the show. It would be great. I, yes. I can't wait. We're going to have a great time. Oh, it's going like, to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's something we had talked about, but it was like, how would we ever do that? And, and then people like Halloween now. I mean, when we were growing up, people went trick or treating and they maybe watched a scary movie on TV and yeah. that was it. Halloween's like a big well, we fucking didn't have deal. Sexy costumes then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like it was like you hoped someone just wear, dresses as a cheerleader. Yeah. But now it's, you know. Now you walk into like a party city and you're walking with your industry worker. You're walking with your like twin four year olds. And all of a sudden you see like, you know, electrocution, like nipple clamps and, (laughs) you know, 10 inch heels. And you're like, "Mm, happy Halloween. (laughs) But um, no, it's it is a lot of there's a lot of excitement. I think I want to say that I heard that it was either depending on how it worked around COVID. It was either right before, right after was the first year that 
Halloween expenditure by the public actually matched Christmas. Oh, not necessarily for for presents, not total, sure. but like in decoration and preparation. Gotcha. So Halloween is huge. Everybody loves it. We're no longer like something to be tucked away in the corner and feeling ashamed for our dark tendencies. Like this is to be celebrated and we're going to have a blast. Yeah. It's the first step in winning the war on Christmas anyway. So, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Winning also, the battle of Halloween. Don't ask me to elaborate on whatever dark tendencies are, <laughs> whatever that means. Sometimes we just say shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but no. Because we don't have it. And here's the other thing, too. And I, I'm going to throw this out real quick. Um, You know, we're always ourselves. And that is, like you mentioned, our home turf. So if you're worried that, like, oh, I'm going to go to the show and it's going to be live. So they're just, you know, it's not going to quite be the same, like. No, if, if anything, it's going to be even more like it's going to be fun, exciting and really. And I mean this, honestly, it would be super awesome just to see have people show up there to be like whether they've listened to the show before or not. But just to have people be like, hey, like I really loved the episode on whatever Leprechaun, or <laughs> hopefully not that one. But I mean, it would be neat to see you guys out there. So yeah. I hope you come. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Do you have a question? Just, well, no, I was just thinking about I, I, my my mind started drifting. I will bring it up. It's just a weird little thing. Sure. Uh, and and it's a very very narcissistic thing for me to say, but it's something after years, uh, it's hard not to notice. So the place is like littered with, like the walls are just covered of stills from shows. Yeah. Uh, there's not one picture of me. How many shows have I done there? Many. There's not one picture of me in that whole building. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Well, it is. It that's is. Old, I mean, it's not even really a complaint because there's another part of me that's like, I'm so glad I don't have to see my face all over this place. Well, maybe as performers, we get to fill out a writer like those things, like where we make our demands. <laughs> I need one. No, you don't need one. You need a wall. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> I do, Tim. It's the one that, that we keep the awards on. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's, that's the only one that matters. <laughs> Even if it has like the wrong category, like best female performer in your name, like it's still, you know, it means the same thing. You killed it. Then. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah. The link will be in these notes. Promo code slumber. 10% off. Hope we see you there. Tim, have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? Well, for speaking of our OG listeners, um, you know I've told the story about my hitchhiking. Yeah. Okay. okay so that's what I was. I like. I have never picked up a hitchhiker. Okay. Nor would I ever. But I had no problem hitchhiking <laughs> right. and very much expecting people to pick me up. <laughs> um, but no, in, in this day and age, you know, it's funny you say that. What did we cover with hitchhikers? Before? That was the. That was. Um, oh God, what was that? I don't know. That's so weird. But it's yeah, I mean, but we were specifically talking about that. Um, but tell us at the live show what episode yeah, that was. Sure, sure. Along with the bird story. And so, uh, no, never. Uh, but no, I, I never have. In fact, I just actually purchased two uh, pepper spray dispensers oh. um, for, for loved ones. And um, so that they can be protected. And um, so, yeah, the idea of me picking up a hitchhiker. No, I, I, how do I say this without sounding completely paranoid? Um, 
I've always kind of had this feeling in my life, maybe it's just my own mental preparation, that somewhere, sometime, something bad is, something is going to happen and it's going to really challenge me. Yeah. I've always thought it was home invasion, but I'll tell you what, funny you ask about like what could turn into a bad situation. There is a local gas station. I will tell you when we're off the air, which gas station I'm talking about. (laughs) I've been in that. I avoid this gas station because there is a lady that works there Uh and there's nothing. She's fine. I mean, she's, there's nothing wrong with her as a person, except for that. I feel like when she looks at me, she looks through me and reads my thoughts um, which is like she knows that I'm there for gas. It's probably not that hard of a gas, either gas or smokes. But I, I mean, knew it. yeah. <laughs> How does she do it? Uh, but um, but no, she has. She's one of those people that just looks at you, and it kind of makes you feel frozen. Uh-huh. Like, um, and she looks and okay, I'm gonna get this out of the way so that nobody gets upset. There are a lot of kinds of gypsies in the world. There's Irish gypsies, there's Romani gypsies, there's Russian gypsies, there's all kinds. So I, I'm not using that as a derogatory term. Sure. I'm just a gypsy culture. Um, Only cartoon gypsies are the derogatory ones. Right, right. But if there were to be a gas station attendant <laughs> in your town who is a gypsy with special powers, it'd be her. So I walk in there and I, like for the first time in years. And I walked in there and it, and I was like, God, just don't let her be in there. Don't let her be in there. Like, and again, she's nice. It's just very unsettling. So I walk in there and of course it's her. And she's looking at me. Not only is she looking at me to like conduct the transaction, but she's really looking at me. And I'm just like, just give me my change. Let me get the fuck out of here. And she just stops and goes, you have a very familiar face. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, God, here it comes. Like, I've been waiting. Like, here it comes. And, and again, like, I mean, I'm sure that some of my Russian relatives probably got their gyps on at, at one point or another. <laughs> I'm sure of it. But I'm standing there. I'm like, motherfucker, like, here it comes. I'm going to get gypsy fucked. And, uh, but I just, I, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, I get that a lot. <laughs> like, just walked out the door. But um, it just, I'll tell you, you can laugh now when when I tell you the gas station and yeah. when you walk in there and when you see her, you'll you'll be like, oh, fuck, oh, man. that's the gypsy. And um, and again, nice lady, but holy God, it just it's a little unsettling. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, <laughs> is that I while not being a paranoid person, I, I love people and you know me, I'll talk oh, to strangers. Yeah. Yeah. I have no issue with that. But um, the picking up a hitchhiker in these days, I, I think, I think while you might have the kindest heart in the world, that's probably a pretty foolish decision. Yeah. Would you do it? No, because of this movie. I mean, right. This movie <laughs> right. scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. And I was like, I will never hitchhike, nor will I ever pick a hitchhiker up. Because, yeah, also, yeah, yeah, uh, there is every time I see one, a huge part of me that's like, just get, just pull over. Yeah. Pick this guy up. Yeah. What's going to happen? Right. But I also, I don't think luck is a thing, but man, I get some bad luck sometimes. And I'm just like, I know this is going to be the guy. Well, they're not usually standing there in like three piece suits or right, anything. Yeah, you know, like, you know. <laughs> it's not to judge a book by its cover, but, but no, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, 
It's one of those and things. Maybe if there's a broken down car there or something, you're far more apt to be like, this person is just a normal person in a strange situation, you know, in a, an unfortunate situation. But if they're just like alone on the road. Okay. How about this? Red flag. Snowstorm. Snow blowing sideways across the road. Young mother with her two young kids. Barely like standing up straight because well, they're yeah, caught in the middle of a blizzard. Been, yeah, of course. Okay. All right. So you of would. Of course. Okay. You would. That's all it takes, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I. She I, pulls a knife. I kill a kid. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she pulls a gun. I kill both of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or just if you're having a bad day. Yeah. Or you know? I just jump out of the car while it's driving. That's <laughs> right. probably what I would do. Well, that's the kind of shitty thing, too. It's like if you are hitchhiking. Now, when I hitchhiked that day, picked up by one, two, three, four uh, on the total journey. The, the last one was not even solicited. Yeah. They just oh, pulled over. Right. Yeah. You remember? Maybe we just weren't talking. No, we were talking about hitchhiking. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So um, the the only thing is, is that. It's kind of like I'm I know, you know, no means no and it's never too late to like stop a situation that you don't feel comfortable in. But it is kind of awkward like if somebody does pull over to pick you up for you to like look at them and if you get a bad vibe to be like, "No, nah, you yeah, know what? I'll, yeah. I'll wait for the next one." Yeah, yeah just keep on going. Um, but no, I got in, but the guys that picked me up, the first 3 were all all young, all um, you know, guys probably in their um 30s. Um, they just seemed like young, you know, husbands or fathers or whatever. They, they just seemed like nice guys trying to do what hitchhiking, hitchhiking should be, which is like help somebody out. Now, I was a fresh faced, like 17 year old yeah. um, who had I, I, I've heard myself described at that time as intimidatingly good looking. But um, so. Listen, I'm going to be here to say. It's true. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And so maybe that made it easier um, to, to pick up like this pretty boy on the side of the road. Um, probably wasn't the best thing for me, I suppose, looking <laughs> back. But um, but well, no. You're an adventurous guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really, to tell you the truth, I was pretty fearless about it. And I was kind of excited because hitchhiking does have sort of, or at least it did have, kind of like a like the spirit of America feeling to it of, you know, freedom and helping out your fellow guy. Yeah. Um, it's just that person's on their way to st- turn over a new leaf, start sure. a new life. But isn't it funny though? Like you see people, you see a lot of people walking who are pr- probably homeless, but r- rarely do you see somebody like full on hitching. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's really allowed much anymore. Is it illegal? I think so. Or it's just kind of like died away. It's just like not worth doing. Yeah. Now we call it Uber. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure if a cop sees you, they will pull up and be like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. Like a, like a Rambo situation. I know. Yes. I know there are some states that do have laws where you're not allowed to do it. They used to have signs on like off ramps, like around Chicago, I want to say. Yeah. That would have signs about this ain't allowed. Don't do it. No, no, no. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like you just the the sad fact of the matter is that you just never you never really know people. Have you ever been in a situation where um, like you're talking to somebody, maybe you're at a coffee shop, maybe you're at a bar or whatever, and you just start talking with somebody who seemed 
pretty normal, but then they start talking about crazy shit, and you're like, oh, this person is kind of <laughs> fucked up, yeah, yeah. you know? And, and and I'm not making judge. Maybe they have problems or whatever, but I'm just saying, like, uh, just driving down the road and looking at somebody isn't really enough information to know if you should be sitting next to them for right. any stretch of time. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, and I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I wouldn't do it because I'd like to think that I'd be the kind of guy that would help, but, you know, especially when you have kids, like if, yeah. you, if it's just you, if you're a 22 year old guy and you've got your car and you know, some other young guy looks like he needs some help and you've got no other ties to anything. Eh, help the guy out if you yeah. want. Maybe but, when I'm 80, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, if some guy like, and then you could be me, the creepy old now. guy that they're worried right. about getting in the car with. Get in. Yeah. Right. Get in son. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I uh, the shorts you kids are wearing these days. <laughs> yeah, keep getting shorter. Um, <laughs> Fashion runs in cycles. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, on your body and then on the floor. Never thought I'd see short shorts and fur collars, but here we are. <laughs> here you are. Um, yeah. No, I uh anyway, that's enough role playing as a creepy guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People are like, How can I cancel yeah. my Halloween live ticket yes, now? Please come to the live <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. I've got the discount code though, so I don't know, I'm torn. Um but no, I I I would say look, if if this is the ultimate test of things, if I knew that my daughters who are of driving age told me that they picked up a hitchhiker. I would not be happy about that at all. So, you know, if, if I'm not happy about them doing it, then it's probably not something that I would do either. I would suggest to others. Yeah. Um, I would just say like, if you're a hitchhiker, unless like literally you're just broke down in the middle of nowhere, like make some friends. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know a nice way to say that. Like, find some people, you know. Yeah, make some friends. I like right. That. I like that. All right, let's uh, talk about this movie then. Uh, it's The Hitcher from 1986. Here's all the stuff I pulled off of Wikipedia. It was written by Eric Reed, directed by Robert Harmon. It stars Rutger Hauer, C. Thomas Howell, and Jennifer Jason Lee, Vic Morrow's daughter. This shocked me. Budget of seven point nine million. Box office five point eight. Ooh, what? What? Yeah, because I certainly. I think this is one of those misleading. It probably made a killing on home video, kind of things. Well, didn't have much of a theatrical release. I don't even really remember. I don't remember that at all. All right, let's do Nan some, and then we'll uh, get into spoilers and all that fun stuff. Jim Halsey is delivering a car to San Diego from Chicago. On his route through West Texas, he takes pity on a hitchhiker stuck in the rain. The man identifies himself as John Ryder, and Jim's apprehension soon turns out to be warranted as John tells him that he has killed some other drivers before turning a knife on Jim himself. Jim's able to kick John from the car, but as his journey continues, he sees John again and again, usually surrounded by a gruesome murder scene. Jim is arrested under the suspicion of committing these murders, but every time he's trapped, John shows up to kill his captors and set Jim free, presumably because, per John's request, he wants Jim to stop him. 
Jim teams up with the sympathetic waitress Nash as they try to outrun the law and prove that there is another killer on the loose. Can Jim end the nightmarish drive he's on through hell? Or will he just become another casualty of the hitcher? Mm. Sympathy <laughs> is one of my main characteristics that I look for in a waitress. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless they're overly, little, you know, pull a unless they're overly sympathetic. Literally. I don't know why this happens to me. I, I'm not one of those people with like IBS or whatever, but in the morning, you never really know what your stomach is ready to do, whether right. you're ready to do it or yeah. not. And then you go to some crowded breakfast restaurant and you order this big ass breakfast with fucking chorizo and you get like, like, oh, coffee sounds good. Yeah. Oh, and you yeah. have the first couple like cups and then they're just literally pouring it into your eyeballs for the next 45 minutes. And you're like, if you want me to just shit everywhere, like <laughs> I will. Right. Uh, what can you what did you think was going to come of this? You're pouring me like literally eight cups of coffee. <laughs> but um, but I do like a good diner it waitress. It takes me like one now. It's crazy. It goes right through you. Yeah. Like it's not something I ever noticed before. And now I think I'm also because I'm old. I like poop twice a morning now. You just I poop as soon as I get up, and then I have a cup of coffee, and I'm like, I gotta what 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 am I pooping now? Might as well pour it in the cup and throw it right in the toilet. <laughs> right. Yeah, eliminate the middleman. Yeah, I should just you know I want to get it on my tongue. Like should just like brush it on my tongue and then spit it out. <laughs> right. Um, no, it's true. Uh, but I do I do love. We've talked about it before. Diner waitresses and diners and and. This movie does an awesome job with its setting. Um, it's a it's a wide scope. It is a big sky movie. Um, yeah. Of course, we get smaller scenes of tension within the cars themselves, but it is very much a road movie, and it got its start from literally the the, the plot of the film itself, where the writer. Um, was driving a, first of all, they could have come up with a less confusing like terminology for a drive-away car. Right. Because drive-away to me would imply I bought it, I drove it away. But in this movie, it's you buy it from some distant location and then it's driven to you. Yeah. So oh, how was, was that? A, that what it, I thought maybe the, like a, the guy was moving. Do they get specific? Not really. Okay. Drive away that's car. What it seemed to me like maybe it was some sort of thing where I have to move cross country. I think it's that a guy. I can't drive. I can't take all my cars, obviously. So I hire someone to drive my car. A drive away. House. Still, yeah. Drive away does not fit at all. You're right. driving to. Right. Toward. Yes. <laughs> um, but either way. He also said it's a drive away. Like. Like a wax work, like everyone has yeah, one. Like, yeah. yeah, everyone knows what that is. It, most babies' first words, either wax work or driveway. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's it's he, the the actual writer was doing a driveaway, whatever that may be. And Sounds like an awesome job. I mean, I remember it'd be kind of cool as a kid being like, "You can do that." Yeah, I would love that job. Sure, I would still love that job. Y yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to pay a whole lot because you don't have to do a whole lot. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody said you can't jack off in the car. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure that they, maybe that's implied. That but... might be in the contract, but I don't know. <laughs> right. But anyhow, so the thing is, is that 
he was doing this, and while he was driving his driveway car to where its destination was, um, he heard the door song "Riders uh, Riders on the Storm," mm. and so he Great was song. thinking of like he was listening to some of the lyrics, and just this idea kind of started to pop into his mind, and he, you know, ended up making a short film. Uh, that was sort of inspired by it and ended up writing a screenplay that was pretty much a full on slasher. Like it, it, John Ryder, while this movie has a kind of like pleasantly surprising amount of, I don't know if I even want to say gore, but it's just yeah. like the violence doesn't happen nonstop, but when it happens, it's, it's like intense. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and done in the best way. And so, he writes the script and it's like writer is just massacring somebody in the most like detailed and gross ways. And so the, the, the writer, uh, it's Eric red. Um, yeah. Reed. So, red. Yeah. Reed. Red? No. Um, so he, uh, he writes a script, you know, and, and he starts sending it around. He actually drives this just like the movie drives out to California, uses that job as a way to get to California to become a writer. Uh And so he starts writing to these different producers and telling them about the script and everything. And, and it is sparking some interest. Um, but it goes through a lot of, of rewrites and reworking. And, and a lot of times I think that that is even by myself misconstrued as like, oh, you know, here's this poor writer and he's got his work of creativity and now all these suits are fucking with it. Uh-huh. But I read the original script <laughs> and thank God they fucked with it because the script Bad. that we see, far better. Far better. The original script was it really kind of felt like a high schooler, a good high schooler, yeah. wrote a movie script. And so now- Is some, it just in the dialogue or is it like the scenes as well? It's- it's mostly the dialogue. Okay. The style of the dialogue feels what, what makes this movie part of one of the, the main factors or facets of this movie is it's sort of like, what's the right word? Like scarceness, uh-huh. like whether it's long sections of, of silence or just the big open sky behind, you know, in the, in the frame of the scene, but um, it's not a busy movie. And, you know, the, the original script was much busier. And so it, this, they, they really pared it down. And they said, when they finally got the director attached, he's like, I'd really like to go with more of like a Hitchcock feel, like more, I want to go more eerie, yeah. less stabby. And um, so I don't know if, I'm not saying I'm a Hitchcock expert. I don't think this feels like a Hitchcock movie. Uh, no, but I get what he's saying. Yeah. That it's a little bit more that it, like, they're going yeah, more I with, don't watch this and go, what a slasher extraordinaire. Right. It's more nuanced than it is yeah. in your face. So they, yeah, there is, you know, he does talk about, yeah, I cut this guy's like, I cut off his legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's arms. Which from the knife that we know that he has. It sounds like a work. Yeah. No easy task no. right there. So it's terrifying to know guys that patient. Right. I would think you'd get done cutting one leg off. Even if you wanted to completely dismember him, you'd be like, fuck yeah, that. That's enough. I think yeah. he gets it. He's dead. <laughs> I'm just doing, I'm just, it's like when you're just eating for taste, like you're already full, but you just, it just tastes so good. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so, but there are, 
there are some multiple occurrences of lightning in a bottle in this movie, and the biggest one is Rucker Hauer's casting. Um, he's so good in this that it it it's not to say that Rucker Hauer is an unknown name in Hollywood because he's a famous actor. Or yeah, was a famous actor. Yeah, but I found myself he's in asking that Blade Runner movie. Yeah, that people have seen. Yeah, some people enjoy. Do I know something crazy? What? I don't really like that movie. You want to hear something crazier? I haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean, I've seen bits and pieces. You know what's funny about I that movie? It. They talk I keep about my mic. I'm sorry. There, there. They talk about a monologue that Rucker Hauer has in that right before he dies. Yeah, and it's a well, four. It's spoilers. a forty-two word monologue, which is hardly a monologue. Yeah, um, it's just fucking Judy. Fucking but, Judy. But <laughs> theater <laughs> joke. <laughs> but. It's, it's just a few words, but it's the, it's Rucker Hauer has a sincerity that I would best describe it as this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to talk myself up, but he, I feel like sometimes the things that he's doing with emotion and nuance are more for him than for the audience. And not to say that that's bad. Yeah. I think it works if you, if you pull it off. Yeah. But I know that myself on stage, that there have been some emotional things where I'm just kind of letting myself go through something. And I hope that it looks good to the audience, but I'm really just doing it for me. And, and I, and he'd make some choices that are so small and so subtle that I, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else. And sure, a million other people could have played this role. Yeah. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't take that Nicholson archetype of charismatic, wild-eyed, crazy, right. you know, um, fueled by energy. And that's how you know I'm crazy. Yeah. He's very calm. Well, I think it's I think that's on purpose because, and it's something I liked about the story. That he does want to stop. Well, let's let's talk, now now He's feel tired. free. I, I can't He's believe I have tired, to. Tim. I can't. I'm, I'm so I have to piss so bad, and I'm so excited <laughs> to, to talk me? about it. this early, this early. Ow. But right, but I'm ready to jump into talk about anything you want because when I come back, we're we're, we're railing into this. Oh my god, I gotta talk to alone about nothing. Okay, everyone, let me just apologize. A, I've hit my mic a couple times. Uh, unprofessional by me. Unprofessional bullshit. That's why no one. Watches AOL Blast. Anyway, um, I don't know. Come to our show. Come to the live show. Uh, it's you know, it's gonna be a a fun night. Um, man, I might just cut this part out. Like this is brutal. This is why I quit improv. Not good at it. I'm not good at it. I can be funny in a moment, but then it's someone says, "Hey, perform for me." Boom, on my ass. Done. Flat out. Uh, oh yes. So this this begs the question: <laughs> What the hell are we going to do at the Halloween bash in the middle of the episode? Where we have to when take a piss. Yeah, <laughs> you have to pee immediately before we go on yes. stage. And I have you to have wear to hold it because hopefully, you know, the on stage show will not be two hours. No, like we're kind of under a time constraint there. Probably an hour and a half. They have an actual show to perform. Yes. That they've been working very hard on and not just coming in and talking out their ass. Right. About it. Okay. Um, so, you know, I think, we, you know, we'll get a good solid show. In, and then like once the judging go to the bathroom. Oh, sure. People are getting situated anyway. So 
I can't wait for you to hear this episode and hear <laughs> the power-packed two minutes. <laughs> well, let me just say this, because I'm going to get this out of the way, because we're, we're just going to rip the Band-Aid off. You know, every time every time we do a show, I have this sort of like paced out idea of when I'm going to bring things up. But fuck it, we're just jumping right into it. Uh, as far as movie critics go, I I like Roger Ebert. Lord knows if you're a loyal listener, you know that I like him a lot more than Gene Siskel. Sure. And more than uh, uh, God bless you, John Bowen, for giving me this title to use for. Leonard Malton, consummate pussy, Leonard Malton. Um, so, but normally I kind of like Roger Ebert because he surprises me. Sometimes there's movies that I'm like, there's no fucking way he'd like this. And he yeah. actually loves it. Yeah. So I like him for that. He completely missed the mark on this. And it's one of the most devastating things that you can go through as a, a performer or somebody in, in any sort of creative endeavor is to have somebody that you look up to that you just realize a moment comes that they just literally don't have the capacity to understand the material. Yeah. So long story short, Roger Ebert gives this review of the Hitcher where he's just like, we don't know who John Ryder is. We don't know why he's killing. And because we don't know any of that, it's all senseless. And, you know, the, the killing of, you know, the, the woman is way overdone and gr uh, grotesque. And this movie is, I wish it was, and you don't right. see anything. Right. I and kept it, thinking, like, she must have just lost an arm or something. Oh, we'll get to, oh, <laughs> we will get to Nash. Mm. Um, and, and, and I tell you, it is, it is heartbreaking. I, you know, like reliving trauma, uh, I was, I, I knew it was coming. Yeah. We'll get to that. Um, but so Roger Ebert goes so far, and I wish I had written down the quote, but he says something like that the, this movie is diseased. Whoa. Like, just lays into it and he's missing everything because here's the point. If you knew exactly who John Ryder Rucker Howard's character is and why he's doing what he's doing, it just makes the film completely pedestrian. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it, there's a million thrillers out there just like that, where we, maybe we don't see it in the beginning, but we eventually see the backstory and we know why they're doing what they're doing. And it's all just spoon fed to yeah. us. Um, but here's the thing about Rucker Hauer's character. I'm going to contend that you are given plenty of information about him. You just have to look hard enough. Yeah. So some of the basic stuff, the first thing you're going to pick up is this at one point in the movie, John Ryder single-handedly kills three armed police officers with a knife. They're armed with guns. Yeah. He has a small pocket knife and sneaks into a, albeit small police station and kills all of them. So we're going to play detective. We're going to play a profiler here. So what does that tell you about that person? Can just a whack job who's crazy do that? Or is it maybe somebody that has a very specific skill set? Yeah. And probably a very specific history of not only being trained in that, but probably using it. Ooh. So at minimum, we're talking military, probably special forces. Wow. And the fact. Okay. And the, and the fact this that. This might blow your mind. I took a way more ghostly view of this movie okay wow military training military this is he's a bad rambo is what he is he's like a rambo gone wronger see i viewed him <laughs> as a old joker 
Okay. Especially where they're like, I mean, it was essentially that scene from Dark Knight that you claim to have not seen, but we watched it together. <laughs> but, you know, at least you know it from the trailer where they have the Joker arrested. And it's like, I mean, it's nearly the same thing. It's like, yeah, you had no IDs, nothing, just uh, <laughs> knives and lint. Like, that's all that was in his pockets. Man, I butchered that fucking line. Well, but, but, but no, but that's what I'm saying. I took that as. I took it, well, I don't want to say literally because they don't tell you anything, but just go with me here because I, I even have this listed out. So they've got this skill set, all right? So literally, I don't care who you are, for you to carry out, and there's and that's not the only occasion of him having to use stealth or escape tactics or distraction tactics or um, a knowledge and usefulness with weapons, both knives and guns, very, very specific knowledge. Yeah. So this is someone who is trained in this, and there's no way that an average person could do this. Mm. No way. So he's, I would say, military background. I would say, I'm going to go so far as to say probably even more like a covert organization, like maybe CIA, maybe you know Federal Bureau of in, uh, Intimidation. Um, but, uh, what that, was uh, that? well, that's coming from being a native, Get out that's of coming here. from being a native, right? Yeah. Um, you're so, oppressed. but, uh, but that, <laughs> yes. Um, but I'm just saying, uh, for him to have no traceable identity would lead me to believe that he has this skill set that is, uh, to the level that they would make somebody sort of a, a ghost, yeah. you know, in society. However, um, a good costume uh, person, head of, head of costuming, Costumer. yes, is going to think of everything from head to toe. Uh-huh. And John Ryder has a wedding ring. Okay. So this means two things. Either A, he was married, or B, he's smart, and he wears the wedding ring to inspire trust in the people that pick him up. Sure. I like to think that he was married, and I'll tell you why. Because Rucker Hauer in this movie, in his interaction with Jim, in one particular scene with Nash where she doesn't realize that he's there, he displays an intimacy. An intimacy that you don't get from just being a crazy person who was like, maybe if you tried to say, oh, he kills people, so he was just abused and locked in a basement or whatever. No, he has the intimacy and the closeness of somebody who has experienced that in their lives. Yeah. So imagine like the first time that you were around like uh, a girl when you're in middle school and what do you do? You, you say a bunch of stupid shit and you're clumsy and you don't know what to do. Now imagine if you were around Nan who you're familiar with yeah. and you know, if she needed help getting something like you wouldn't be worried about how you're going to act around her. You just, you, you, you share that intimacy. Yeah. So, you know, you, you put your arm around her, you know, you, you, you put your hands around her ways to move her to the side, to grab something or whatever. He conducts himself with the level of intimacy of somebody who has been close to someone before. Um, so there's, there's that. Now, let's talk about who he kills. He's, he kills women. He kills men. He kills children. What kind of person could kill children 
and and not have it bother their conscience. It's the kind of person that feels like they've been robbed of something. They feel like they've been betrayed by the world so that there is no conscious uh, or conscience about doing this because you've been so wronged life or like if he worked for, and I don't mean to take it too far, but if he worked for the government and, you know, maybe he was sent over to wherever the, the timing works out with Vietnam, by the way, for when the movie came out, but maybe he was forced to, maybe he was tortured. Maybe he was forced to do things. Maybe he was forced to kill children. He comes back. His, he can't deal with his wife. His wife leaves him. And he thinks like, they took everything from me. There's this country that I gave myself to took everything from me and now I have nothing. So when you feel that robbed, when you feel like the world has fucked you that hard, then it takes away that conscience that would stop you from killing a child. Okay. So he's somebody that is angry and feels betrayed, but this is the kicker. And this is why we have a movie. Let's say he's experienced all this. Maybe he was, tortured maybe he did things horrible things involved in 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 this crazy life that was filled with trauma and violence and all that sort of thing if you just kill yourself that's just kind of like letting them all get away with it yeah he can't kill himself because then that means that that they won or it means that it was all for nothing or that whatever it is that has traumatized him to push him to this point it was like they just got me and yeah. it, and they got away with it. So he has to find a worthy adversary. He has to have a good death. He has to die a good death. Okay. And he likes Jim because Jim in the first scene has the balls to push him out of the car. And even though nobody likes getting pushed out of a moving car, he might have thought to himself like, I like this kid. Like this kid's yeah. got some ball. Maybe he reminded him of himself when he was younger. But he sees Jim as a worthy adversary, somebody that he wouldn't mind being killed by. And that's why he says to Jim, like, you're a smart kid. You'll figure it out. He wants Jim to kill him. Yeah. He want, like you said, he wants to stop. Yeah. But he can't just kill himself because then it's all for nothing. Yeah. I'm going to shut up for a second. Here's my take on it. Okay. This is weird that we have. What the? These last two weeks have blown my mind <laughs> on our views of these movies. I viewed this movie as John Ryder is more of a Old West ghost, right? Who is uh, there, but not really there. He's more of a spectral thing that must kill. And he might have been doing it for a long time. I know we see like a ton, like he kills a lot real fast in, in this. Yeah. But I don't think that's important. Like to me, I viewed him as a, cause yeah, he's idealist. Like no one knows who he is, where he came from. He's just kind of there. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I viewed him as this entity that's stuck in this, Space as ghosts are, whether it be a house or a space station, whatever ghosts haunt, <laughs> he's stuck on this stretch of. Also, let me really quickly say if you're driving from Chicago to uh, San Diego, you would never go through West Texas. You would barely go through <laughs> Texas at all. Um, anyway, I don't know. That's today. I don't know the route in 1986. Anyway, uh, but anyway, he, you know, he haunts these this section of land Mm. or whatever Mm. and he wants to stop and he can't do it and yeah he sees something in jim 
And that's where he's like, I I want you to kill me because he wants Jim to take his place. Because as this movie goes on, we start seeing Jim is kind of like John. He has no, like, it's no coincidence he also has no identification. Cannot get in touch with anyone oh, okay. of his family. Okay, okay, okay. He himself is completely, he's an isolated entity out in this area. I mean, I, the only thing this movie was missing for me to be like, yes, that's what this movie was trying to do, was at the end when he kills John. Because the, the way this movie ends is he just kills John, and that's about it. You know, we have a little, you know, the camera flies up into the skies. We see him sitting there next to the car that they've driven out there in. All this movie needed to, in order to solidify my idea, is to have that car sitting there smoking on fire. And he starts walking down the road and sticks his thumb out because now he is the hitcher. Now he will haunt these roads until he's ready to, to call it quits. Well, you make a great point. And I, I'm so John Ryder is able to kill these people because he's a fucking ghost, right? Nothing, nothing is hurting him. The only thing that can hurt him is the person that replaces him. And that's why at the end, when he takes off the chains, he throws them at, at him. At yes. Jim. Yeah. Saying like, I'm free, but now you're, huh? you're, 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 okay. I could, hey, one of my finer qualities is that I'm willing to accept what, you know, alternate viewpoints. And I think that that's a very strong one. That is, that is. That is strange that you thought of that one and that I thought of the one that I thought of, which is more like rooted in reality. See, and I thought when he's like, because, yeah, they they have captured John, right? Yeah. And they're transporting him. And Jim's like, you know, you like can't hold him, right? And I mean, I yeah, I could see there is a, a angle where you could be like, yeah, he's like special forces and can get out of anything. But uh, they never show that. It's just kind of like. He always magically gets out. Right. Well, and maybe. And he's able to beat, like, another bit. <coughs> Excuse me. God, I'm so sorry. Um, The, the finger, right? Yeah. Uh, when After we meet Nash, they're in the diner. It's just Jim and Nash. And then he's eating fries. And as he lifts one to his mouth, it's a severed finger. Yeah. How, like, how? Right. How did that get there? And at what? At what point? You know? Well, and there, there's and he a, just always knows when to show up at the right time. Like he knows too much. There's another thing too, where and I don't want to read into it too much, but if I'm going to go down that path with you, yes, it's El Paso. I mean, it's it's warm, but he's always hot and he's always wiping sweat off of him, even yeah. when other people aren't sweating. So I'm not saying that he's the devil. But um, I mean, that's no, he's not scary at all. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it took you totally out of it. But no, I like that idea. That is interesting. And it brings maybe up, they do that in the remake because I, I felt like I don't know. I'm like, how do they not end it that way with well, him hitchhiking? I think that maybe he's stranded out there. How do you not have well, Jim hitchhiking? That brings up. The kind of essence of what this is as a genre, which is a road movie. But the original script actually starts with a quote that is, uh, it says, living in the road or living on the road, my friend, was going to keep you free and clean. 
Now you wear your skin like iron. Your breath is hard as kerosene. So I think that maybe that ties into what you're talking about is that, and it's kind of, if we think about this writer, not writer, writer, yeah, driving across the country and the essence of what road movies are, which is um, a subgenre where people leave on a trip and somehow have their perspectives altered. Okay. Usually with violence, themes of alienation, tension. Maybe usually it's like even tension of, of a nation or of a certain people or a certain area. Yeah. And um, it keeps the characters on the move and the, the sort of what begins as kind of like a utopian journey turns into sort of a nightmare. Sure. So maybe John Ryder himself sort of represents that. I don't want to say that like a road ghost, but like the, the, the things that will change you. Yeah. Yeah. So let let me just if if you're sitting there and you're like, well, I'm I'm still not sure what he means by road movies. Um you do know what I mean by road movies. How about these? Uh these National are Lampoon's vacation. Yes. <laughs> these are ones that I've seen, uh Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think you've seen this movie. It's a great one. Smoke signals. Um, um... It's a native one. Yeah, that sounds familiar, though. With Adam Beach. It's really good. You do actually really like that. It's yeah. a phenomenal fucking movie. Uh, y tu mamá también. Sure. Or um, your mother, too. Uh, or your mother also. Uh, Death Proof. Natural Born Killers is even kind of a road movie. Sure. Um, Half of it. True Romance is, is not a huge one, but, I mean, they're traveling. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. Is a road movie. Uh, there's also one called Easy Rider. Uh, heard of it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or uh, also, uh, Sylvester cool. Stallone's uh, arm wrestling masterpiece, Over the Top. Oh, dude! <laughs> you can't You'll have notice. A... <laughs> I have my hat on backwards. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. I didn't just save that for last for nothing. Um, I worked with a guy who took a like college class from the guy. He's like his only credit is he wrote. That's awesome. So what, you top. don't need another one. No, I'm like, yeah. damn. What yeah. that? Boom, done. Just yeah. wiping the hands, and yeah, you're you're free and clear. Um, but no, it's an it's an interesting genre, and I and I I'm not going to say that it's it's specifically American, but I think that it it has some American themes like over to the it. Top is considered a road movie. That he, one, I'm how he's in the he's got the fucking uh, that that like weight that like arm exercising thing built into his truck. Yeah, they're driving across the country to go to the competition in because his dad is a truck driver. Right. But now they're spending oh, they're spending time together. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, it's also an arm wrestling movie. It, yeah, it's mainly more often known movie. as an arm wrestling. But he movie. is a trucker. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting genre, and I think that. And there there was – I've mentioned this in some episodes before. There was kind of that stretch in the 90s of these kind of like – like if you wanted to make an independent film in the 90s, like make it dusty, make it a road movie, mm-hmm. and make it like you know some handheld camera and stuff like that, yeah. and you've got yourself you a – go film in the hills right outside <laughs> L.A.? Perfect. Right, yes. Um, funny enough, though, from a technical standpoint, oh, there were some shots in this that I miss. I miss because I don't feel like anybody does them anymore. 
and they were sort of 80s shots, but like those um, those tracking shots that walk right up on the subject, you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's not a very realistic shot. Yeah. It's not an observer shot. I mean, it's stylized, yeah. right? But, like, there were a couple examples of that, of, like, the, the camera just sort of, like, traveling across, you know, maybe 10, 12, 15 feet, and then, like, moving upward towards its its uh, yeah. subject. And that was kind of cool. You don't really see that much anymore. No, that's true. Um, but, yeah, no, no handheld... Very minimal score. It's just just atmospheric tones, yeah. which is kind of right for this. Um, but a a nice collection of supporting casts, and I'm not saying that you're going to know all their names, but you're going to recognize some. Uh, Principal Snyder from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, who is eaten by the mayor in season three, oh. is in the uh, one of the final scenes when they've got John Ryder captured. Okay. Um, the, the captain Eldridge looked really familiar to yeah, me. Yeah. He was, uh, he's been, we've covered him before he was in the mist. Oh, Jeffrey, yes. What's his name? Jeffrey DeMunn. Yeah, yeah. I like that guy. That, that, that nose is. Yeah. Those nostrils <laughs> just got bigger yes. as he got older too. Man. Right. He flared him out. But he's great though. Oh, um, he's fantastic. Yeah. And I was glad because yeah, he kind of shows up and you're like, whoa, bit part from that guy. And then they're like, oh no, he's all right. He's got a substantial part. So let's talk about Jennifer Jason Lee for a second. Okay. Oh boy. Talk about a crush of mine. Um, when I was a kid, this is a, by the way, an HBO films movie or HBO pictures. Um, so that's probably the reason why it was on HBO all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a lot. Uh, I think my dad, in fact, I can literally see my dad's handwriting on the edge of the VHS tape that we <laughs> taped it off of the uh, HBO. And, um, so as, as a kid, I would have been, you know, middle school ish. Um, and boy, I thought she was as cute as can be. And um, Jennifer Jason Lee, she's she looks great. She's got this blonde bob, but it's got this sort of angled like chop in the side of it, so it's sort of asymmetrical. Yeah, she's got this nice, yeah, just sort of understated uh, Texas accent, just kind of like a Southern. Yeah, um, she's very low key, but she's um, almost too clean in this movie. A little bit. Her outfit's very bright, and I mean, uh, maybe that's just too. Make her pop. I think that she's supposed to be, she's not supposed to be a typical diner waitress of like 55 years old. Yeah. She's, she's supposed to be in her early twenties. So, and, but I'll tell you what though, and I'm not disparaging anybody's occupation, but imagine having to take a bus to your diner job. Yeah. Is that what was going on? Yeah. She's literally has to take like a butt, like a, almost like a Greyhound bus to yeah. the diner where she works at, which why not? But I guess there's just no houses around there. It's probably like a highway diner with no uh, residential areas around it. It's just a highway diner. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there probably are no places to live around there. But do buses stop at the diner? Or work by where you your house is. <laughs> you can do that, yeah. too. But um, I don't know. stuff spread out there. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but she's so cute in it. And, and she just talks about she's got a real casual demeanor about her where she says that it's like her cousin that owns the place and her uncle cooks the food. And she's just kind of trapped there. But it makes it plausible because you might say to yourself, like, what 20-year-old diner waitress is going to help some guy that looks like he's 
obviously really in trouble or causing trouble or whatever, but it's kind of because she's, she feels stuck. She feels like everybody else is passing through and everybody else is doing something with their life and she's not. So this is her chance. You know, she, I think she probably likes him a little bit. Um, She cooks him a delicious looking cheeseburger. It looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and she's just, uh, I don't know. I was so charmed by her as a kid. So, when she dies and she dies in the manner that she does, yeah. here's another little suspension of disbelief. John sort of uh, in his own sort of clandestine, you know, secret way, like sneaks into the the hotel room and uh, kind of snatches her under the cover of night. And we're talking like minutes Minutes before Jim is out of the shower and then like stumbles onto the police right, where like hey, you've point. got to go and in that in that I don't know seven eight minutes yeah not only has John Ryder tied her up to the back of a tractor a semi truck and uh, another thing that she's about to be pulled apart by but all the cops in the surrounding cities are already there right and it sounds like they've already tried negotiating with him right. <laughs> In the like he maybe, won't talk to anyone but you. Yeah, we tried for two minutes, <laughs> um, but so. Yeah, but I good mean, point. That is, it's real fast. Yeah, I mean, it's nearly like one shot. It would have been better if it had happened when he immediately when he went into the shower. So then it was the whole time he was in the shower and getting out. Yeah. But we know that that doesn't take place because the TV flips yeah, on. Yeah, he flips on the yeah. TV switch, and then he would have bolted. You must have had everything laid out, like when you're getting ready to like assemble like furniture and you got all the pieces laid out. But he's just ready to pull this girl apart. Yeah. And that's really what her death is. Now, let me ask you this. We're not doctors. Somebody that listens to this show, actually a couple of people, but I mean, maybe there's several medical doctors that listen to the show. If you were tied at very tightly, by the way, let's let's take out uh, an equation where you would slip through the restraints. Right. Let's assume that they're very tight. It's tight around your wrists, both wrists together. And now your body is is planked out straight. Yeah. And and then between a, 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 the semi cab and the semi trailer. Yeah. But there's but there yeah and so that she assume her ankles are tight. Never yes. really get to see her legs. So she is suspended straight like horizontal to the ground three, four feet above it. She's the hitch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. And um, if the truck was to pull away, I hate to even talk about this, but I'll talk about it. Because guess what? I I did not care about his death at all. What part would separate from what Yeah, you would think just like her arms would probably rip out or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or at least, like, it would just take her hands off. Maybe. Yeah. I guess it, when like I was Geraldine. a kid, when I was a kid, for whatever reason, I imagined her separating at the middle. But right. That, I think that's what's implied. Is yeah. It's ripped in half. Right. But, but we don't see it at all. But here's the thing. It, it traumatized me as a kid because I, I had a crush on her. And it, it and I saw the movie a million times as a kid. And it, it always broke me up. So here we are years later. Yeah. And I know what's coming. And, and I, 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 in my notes somewhere I have written, like, I hate seeing Nash like this. And then I just have, oh, Nash, when it finally happens. <laughs> so then I watched the movie a second time. Um, and I was with someone and I had to do one of my like, 
like like looking like I'm adjusting in my chair, like literally ready to full on cry because wow. it, it it I it just breaks my heart when she dies. I yeah. I don't know what the affinity is that I have there, but I think it's just because I I thought she was cute as a kid or something. Yeah, I don't like think that. she adds anything to this movie. Oh, I love her. Uh, other than like giving him a romantic partner that adds nothing to the story is not crucial in his journey. In the story and they're not all. romantic in it. At they're all. not really romantic at it in it at all. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I was like, Oh, especially for the movie I want about a ghost getting another guy to replace him. <laughs> I'm like, I just want this guy toying with this guy. I just want them. I want the cat and mouse. Yeah. Get this dog out or whatever the third thing is. Let me the uh, parrot that's squawking. No, let me <laughs> a very tired parrot. It's Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> I love. She's her, not. Right? Yeah, she's she's not as low key she, in this one. But you know, she does have a yeah, she, a very uh, underplayed presence. I yeah, think. it's kind of like a it's a little heroiny. <laughs> okay, yeah, like uh, yeah, she's very very calm and placid. Yeah, and peaceful. Um, so. It, it, you might not know this. C. Thomas Howell is in this movie. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. We forgot to talk about Soul Man himself. <laughs> yes. And um, we're over here having a brouhaha over Jennifer Jason Lee. <laughs> right. Well, totally forgot about C. Thomas Howell. Yes. Um, and who I like. And you know what's what's neat about him is that. Yeah, where was he at in his career? Well, keep he sorry, he would have finished. Uh, he would have done the Outsiders. Okay, that would have been right. like 83, 84. Uh, maybe yeah, eighty three. I think. Um, and but I mean like Turk one eighty two. Uh, he was in yeah. which uh, he was not, in uh, E T. It's one of oh. the young kids, Tyler. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Red Dawn. He did Red. Re- Dawn. Oh, Red Dawn. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was on a tear. Okay, so yeah, he was kind of in that little clutch oh, yeah. of... I mean, he was popular. And the thing is, he's great. Oh, he also was not good enough to be Eric Stoltz to get recast in <laughs> Back to the Future. Oh, right, yes. He but not get that part. But um, here's the thing about C. Thomas Howell. He has a real nice relatability. Like, he kind of seems like a kid that you would know. Like, when you hear him talk, like, it's not like he has, like, dashing good looks or whatever he's fine to look at it i guess these girls probably thought he was cute i think he was on some of the teeny bopper magazines and stuff but he's got a really youthful sounding voice and he really looks like a kid who's in his early 20s um like it doesn't look like who's this 40 year old that they have playing a 23 no yeah he looks very young and so and he acts like it and think about what a fucking hard job this kid had like all he all he has to do is with with the exception of that first scene where he's in the driver's seat and he doesn't know that John Ryder is crazy or a ghost or whatever yeah. maybe, um, and he, you know he gets a little lippy with him, he gets a little upset with him, but other than that, it is just responding in terror <laughs> for yeah. the next like hour and twenty minutes, yeah, which is my least positive quality as an actor that is something that i struggle with oh hugely yeah. if you remember i do remember yeah. i have an extremely hard time like reacting in in fear to yeah, something in shock I can, yeah i can react in sadness so much so yeah we, i have to tell <laughs> yeah, the story. yeah you can you can we were doing the pillow man they were trying to get it because there's a part in the pillow man 
where these two cops interrogating our main character open a box and it's full of like severed children's fingers, right? And you're supposed to be like, holy fuck, a box of severed fingers. Or toes. Was it toes? Toes. Yes, it was toes. Yes. Uh, however you however you would react to seeing that in real life. And they could not get it out of you. So they even put a fucking mouse that you are terrified yes. of in a box. And you still were like, oh. <laughs> right. I was just like, those fuckers. Not even react. I don't know and how. And if we had been out of that scene and you had seen a mouse, you would have reacted. Oh, absolutely. That's what was so mind-blowing about it. Like, we were all on the ed- like edge of our seats, like, here it comes. Yeah. He's going to look at the mouse and you're just like, ooh. Yeah, I just, it is my kryptonite as an actor is being like shocked and afraid. But see, Thomas Howell does a great job. And, and kudos to him because like looking scared and afraid doesn't always look cool. There's literally a scene in the diner where he looks like Dana Carvey as, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Um, like uh the from Wayne from Wayne's world. Oh uh, Garth? Yeah, he looks like uh, like his face is like kind of rat faced and like oh, squinty eyed. Like he's just sort of like oh my looks God. exactly like Dana Carvey as Garth. Um by the way though. Wow, that's hilarious. <laughs> but it's a really, really great scene that we're talking about where Rucker Hauer encounters him at the diner. Yeah. And, uh, oh, it's just played beautifully. And, you know, first of all, Rucker Howard has these, these pale, but yet piercing blue eyes. Um, and he seems when he's first in the car, I think that's when he's probably his scariest, but after, after when he's very first picked up after that, he's just kind of sweet. Like oh, he's yeah. just kind of like, I want you to do this. Yeah. He's like, I can just kind of relax now. Yeah. Like, I know the end is soon. All I got to do is convince this kid to do it, which I will do. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll be free. This is going to be fun. Right. You have a good time doing this. And, you know, it's interesting that he does that thing, and I should have looked it up, but where he puts the coins on his eyes. That part is so awesome. <laughs> I know. And, and what culture so does that? Random. Well, I mean, we used to do it. Okay. It's just a way to keep the eyes shut. Oh, okay. Before we like started sewing them shut or gluing them or whatever right. they do now. Yeah. It was an easy, you know, old West thing where you're just like, because we believe, I don't know, you're not allowed to have your eyes open when you're dead. I don't know. Whatever. For whatever dumb reason we do right. it. Right. Yeah. You know, the coins keep it weighted. But it's usually a guy laying down. So when it's a guy sitting up. <laughs> yeah, right. But he's so terrified to move yeah. that he lets him just put these coins on his face. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's great. And you know what's funny? Um, Rucker Hauer, if you know anything about him, he's he's actually an extreme pacifist. Um, and and he's there were a lot of roles that he turned down, even though it's funny because he's kind of known as this like, crazy mean like violent guy or whatever yeah, but he actually like got a very dropped out of scary the, intensity to him yeah but he's very much not like that like he he um you know got an honorable discharge from the army in wherever the hell he's from um but uh just because he couldn't handle guns like he just didn't want to be around it i mean he's he's just a really sweet guy yeah um but i think he's that dutch dutch yes 
So he, he works talks with, like yeah. this, Tim. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, I won't even try it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he worked when he came to LA. I know that he worked very, very hard to get rid of that. Yeah, you can't. I mean, he doesn't. Have yeah, you might pay, like he might sound a little interesting here or there, but I mean, he, if you didn't know, you would just assume that yeah. he was American. Um, but I think what I like about the movie is if if you watch the movie and then you remember it, you might remember it as being a little having a few more pockets of not much happening. But when you're sitting there and actually watching it. It's got a, a nice pace. I'm yeah. not even going to call it a slow burn because, first of all, we're overusing that phrase. But second of all, it's <laughs> it's not a slow burn because there's always something happening. Yeah. It's just that it's done in this sort of wide open, vast, giant landscape. Yeah. Just because there's not like. Well, I will say it's like it. it does get a little repetitive. It's like cops catch him. John kills the cops. He gets away to somewhere. Cops catch up to him. John kills the cops. They go off to do their own thing. Cops catch him a third time. Yeah. But that's the last time. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's a, kind of a cycle it's a, going on there. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, it's a little cat and mouse. It's kind of a game of tag almost. Yeah. Um, Like, even to the point where, like, if you've ever played tag and you found somebody too easily, but you want the game to keep going, so you just run back out and yes. keep, keep, keep it going. <laughs> Like, there's literally a scene like that where he, like, finds Jim, throws him his keys back, and then, like, goes and hops in the truck again. Um, but I think that it is – it's a simple movie. It's um, it's it's very uh, lean, and it, it – That scene where C. Thomas Howell is about to kill himself is so good. Yeah. Where he's just like – now, yeah, it's the first time where he's really been around. Like, cops have now died around him. It's the second time cops have died. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, there's, there, how do, I, there's no way to talk my way out of this. Yes. As innocent as I am, and he's ready to kill himself. Something compels him, though. It's because he's already begun his life sentence as the new ghost. Right. <laughs> or, or, like I was saying earlier, that you if you've gone through becoming whether it's my thing of like the the real trauma or it's your thing of the ghost trauma to just off yourself is to say like my existence like on this earth meant nothing yeah. and it got the best of me yeah. like i can't i can't do it you know it's like if if you're going to have suffered that much and to kill yourself it's almost like admitting it like just giving into it yeah. but you're right though you, you you know and it's a it's an interesting choice to make there because you're like it's not like this has been going on for three months. I mean, like literally by that point in the movie, it's been going on for a day. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you're We're like unaware of how long he's, he was like under arrest the first time. Yeah. But I mean, it's not it's a like long stretch hours. of time. Yeah, It's all like the whole thing's like 24 hours. So you time. might say to yourself, like, well, I don't know. Like, why would he kill himself? I'm sure he can find his way out, but you're right. No identification, dead cops everywhere he goes. Like he is going to jail for the rest of his life, if not the death sentence. Yeah. You know, it's Texas. Well, and that cop <laughs> is, he's like, you just spit on me. Like wipe the spit off my hand. Yeah. That's a real weird, that uncomfortable scene. So cool though. Also, I don't, no, nah, I'm not going to say Such it. a, like, I was shocked. Like just to, for it to be that 
subtle and yeah. like calculated, not just like, yeah, I shot him. He reached for my gun. Like, yeah. just be like, yeah, I'm gonna cover my bases. Make you do it. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. That's oh, so it's good. good. It's great. Um, and yeah, it and it's you know it it doesn't go on too long. There's there's pretty much constant action, but it never feels like oh god, when is this thing gonna be over? I don't know. You might think at the end. There's been times that I've seen it and I've thought that it was maybe for everything that's built up, maybe it was a little anticlimactic that he just, it kind of feels like he would have to do more than just shoot him, you know? Right. But at the end of the day. Right. Like, why is that what does it? Because he <laughs> runs him over. Right. But maybe what it is, is it's not about the means by which he's killed. It's that Rucker Hauer has got him to a place that he would be driven to kill. Right. Because he's got he free. Die before. He's got how good of a feeling does it feel when the cops know that he didn't do it finally? And you're like, holy fuck, how did this <laughs> right. happen? But he is free, but then he insists on going back and killing Rucker Hauer. And that and yes, that might be where Rucker Hauer says, Bam, I got you. You got you're infected. Like yeah. you got it. Yeah. And um yeah, that's how that's... he knows he'll truly carry on yeah. as the next hitcher because right. he died. He's like, it's the only way I can oh, die. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, boy, that's interesting. And and I've seen Rucker Howard talk about the movie and be pressed for details on John Ryder and everything like that. And he's like, that ruins the movie. He's like, yeah. if I tell you, well, just as we're sitting here, we came up with two really interesting insightful ways of looking at it and if we had been fed yeah Which you know knowing either of those is the right one <laughs> right takes the fun out of interpreting a piece of art right right and yeah and why do you feel like you have to know what it is i mean doesn't it make it way more exciting? I mean, like who wants to walk into like a, you know, you pay like 15 bucks to go to a murder mystery and they're like, he did it. <laughs> right. And you're like, well, I'll just go home then. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, that's part of the, the fun is figuring it out. I, I, I love this movie. I, I maybe I'm mistaken. I kind of grew up thinking that everybody knew about this movie. Am I wrong about that? I mean, well, did, I don't know. Yeah. It definitely was a movie that, it was on HBO all the time, but maybe even for our age, though, I mean, 10 years old is maybe still a little young because I know this scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. Like I saw that the opening scene where they're in the car. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the last episode and then we had to like go somewhere. Yeah. I probably should not. You know, I was I don't know. My parents probably did not know I was watching that anyway. But yeah, then just being in the car at it was at night. So just. Anything outside that car sure. was danger. Yeah. Anything in those shadows. Let me ask you a fun question, a little off the beaten path here. Um, so Rucker Hauer, I'm watching this, and, and, and as I'm watching it, um, <clears throat> not to take anything away from Christopher Walken, but there were a couple moments where I'm like, God, I think that Rucker Howard, like everybody reveres Christopher Walken on, I think, a more popular level than Rucker Howard. I sure. think that's fair to say. Yeah. But I'm watching this and not to take anything away from Christopher Walken, but I'm like, I'm not sure that Rucker Howard couldn't have done a lot with some of the roles that, you know, Christopher Walken is famous for. Yeah. Um. So that got me thinking. If you and I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here. So, you know, if you don't come up with a perfect one right away, I'll I'll tell you mine and give you a chance to think <laughs> okay. about it. 
if you kind of could pull a Tarantino where he kind of yanked Travolta out of the ashes yeah. and said, I think this guy can do more than what's been pulled out of him up until this point. If there was an actor out there still alive uh-huh. that you're like, you know, if I had a movie, maybe this, you know, people think he's washed up. Maybe he think he can't, they think he can't do this kind of material, but I think I could get something out of this actor that most people would be surprised by. Yeah. Oh man, that's a good question. Cause I mean, there are two that come to mind, but they kind of already have had that moment where they're like, Oh, people like me again. That's Michael Keaton and Brendan Fraser. Uh, but man, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Bre- Bre- Brendan Fraser is a. He's <laughs> like going to be having. It. Oh yeah, yep. he's right on the cusp of it. Yeah, yep. because he's doing hey. a uh, the fuck. Uh, he's doing some movie where he's a big fat guy. Yeah, the, even uh, fatter than he actually. Yeah, is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. But the whale. The whale. Tour. Yeah. The whale. Who's doing that? I don't know, but yeah, it looks pretty interesting. Yeah. The guy did Mother. But if you've seen, uh, oh, Darren Aronofsky? Yeah. Is he doing that? But if you've seen any of the Scrubs episodes with Brendan Fraser, like, you know that that guy's got real legit dramatic potential. It is Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, he's great. It's going to be a good movie. Um, but uh, let's see. Well, you, yeah, you tell me who yours would be. Maybe this will be the third guy I can think of. You're going to think it's a joke at this first. This is the Rutger Hauer? Or just well, this, it, it started making me think about, like, like I, I if I want if I wanted to take a like I was thinking make like him big again who I, would it be yeah right or okay. just like somebody somebody that you think yeah everybody knows them but I think I could get something out of what started it was my thinking like man Rucker Howard could have done like everybody knows him but he could have done a lot more right so what what is the actor that you could take and I'm, I'm gonna tell you my you're gonna think I'm joking at first I'm, I'm legitimately not Tony Danza. Literally, Tony fucking Danza, and I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. First of all, interesting. I saw him on. A, I looked up a clip of him. I had a. I had a feeling about that there was something there. Uh huh. Because he grew up a, a tough Brooklyn kid. He was a, a fighter. He was a good fighter. He was a professional boxer. He had, a, I think, a 9-3 and three record, and of his nine wins, seven of them are knockouts in the first round. I mean, he was a good boxer. Um, he, he, his friends entered him in the Golden Gloves, 1975, as a, as a joke. He beat six, his first six opponents in the first round, knocked him out. I mean, it's a tough guy. Yeah. But he kind of plays like that sort of oafy, dopey, kind of like lovable, like likable, but just sort of like goofy, you know, kind of like somebody just shoved a script in his hands and said, (laughs) memorize these lines and get out there and say them. I saw him on an episode of Dr. Oz and he was talking about his mom who had passed away. And it was right before he got Dr. Oz. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But. He was on that show and he was talking about a skiing accident that he had gotten into. And Dr. Oz was like, what, what happened? You know yeah. that. And he's like, Did it you was take the, my supplements after your ski accident. <laughs> right. Well, what it turned out was it was the first Christmas uh, since his mom had passed away and he was real close to his mom. And he, he was, his thoughts were with her and, skiing and he just fucking plowed into a tree and like nearly died. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about his mom and he got so choked up that it was, and was so vulnerable 
and it's Tony fucking Danza. Yeah. And he, and it was so sad to hear him say, he actually said the words, I'm so sorry, like apologizing for getting choked up. And he had to take a fucking minute. Like it was a little uncomfortable. Like he, he was not going to speak until he could not, until he could say words without crying. Yeah. And it was just really, really touching. And I'm like, and I don't mean to exploit this poor man's mother's death, but I'm like, everybody thinks Tony Danz is kind of a joke, but I'm like, I think I could get something out of this guy. Like for him to, to connect to his emotion that way. Yeah. It was really powerful. Huh. He, he, check it out. I mean, and the guy, first of all, how the, often do you watch the Dr. Oz show? It, but that's the beauty of it. I didn't even know. I had an instinct. I said, Tony Danza, I bet has had a moment. And I looked up. Oh, you just looked up. Yeah. Clip. I looked oh, up like God. Tony. Okay. I looked up Ooh. Tony. No, yeah. No, I looked up like Tony Danza, like emotional or crying or whatever. <laughs> and literally that came up. But but it's but what inspired me by that was the whole reason why Patrick Swayze got cast in Ghost was because he was on some I think it was Oprah or no it was uh, Barbara Walters and yeah. talking about his dad and he got really choked up and was crying and the director was like that's my fucking guy yeah like I'm gonna get him and so yeah Tony fucking Danza I think I could direct Steve Gutenberg in a pretty good comedy I'm gonna tell you something he'd be a great you know. Funny you know, grandpa. Well, at this point. well, you know, you know what that makes me think of is who's the actor that was on, um, who's fucking awesome on Stranger Things that was on the sitcom. Oh, Paul Reiser. Yeah, yeah. So great to see that guy. Oh yeah, and he's so good in it. But that's that's what I'm talking about. Like nobody would and be like conventional role. For nobody him, would yeah. be like, I got to get Paul Reiser for this, <laughs> right? And that I could be speaking of any role, by the way. Like nobody's <laughs> going to say that for any project. But he's great in it. Yeah. So yeah, there should be more of that. And by the way, Tony Danza looks like he's 45, and I think the guy's like 71, 72. Yeah. Looks great. Um. Yeah, he had his own show for a while, you know. He did. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. It wasn't a lot. <laughs> no, there. not a good show. No, no, it's not, not on anymore. No. But I could get it. Well, out you of know him. what? You could tell that he loved doing it. He's yeah. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot. of Meanwhile, energy. how do we have a show about a young virile Italian man from Brooklyn being a housekeeper for like this sort of stifled? corporate woman how is she not just banging the fuck out of him in the guest room nightly because he's the help she's above it that's why they eventually get together how did he keep mona out of the room <laughs> well i know that's another <laughs> yeah, all right um Yo. yeah <laughs> samantha i told my daughters that we were going to start watching that show and then i went down a rabbit hole i'm like i started <clears throat> with we're gonna watch who's the boss and then i was like no wait Let's do, let's do, give me a break in Facts of Life. Ooh. Um, I loved Give Me a Break. Oh, yeah, me too. And I love Facts of Life. Yeah. And I had totally forgotten that Mrs. Garrett was on different strokes. Yeah. Like that was her main gig. Yeah. yeah. I totally forgot that. Um, but yeah, I loved, and you know what was funny? I was, we we're talking about um, Facts of Life and, and um, saying like it, it ended up covering a lot of like uh, topics that you wouldn't normally think and they went pretty deep. And then uh, the person I was talking to said rape. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, who got raped? And they're like, Natalie. What? Yeah. I don't remember that episode. I don't either. But um, I got to go back and watch. I mean, not for that. But I mean, I'm just saying, like, 
I got to see the facts of life again. Yeah. I remember loving it. Adelie. Oh, yeah, bad. yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. She gets separated from the group on like a field trip or something. <laughs> gets assaulted in a park, I guess, or something. Yeah. Terrible, yeah. Or there was that one where Blair gets in an accident. She's got that big giant cut, so yeah. she's not perfect anymore. I just put myself through hell by rewatching the scene <laughs> with. Um, this was another one where I had to cover up my crying with like body convulsions of whatever reason I could uh, explain away my crying. When uh, Richie gets in the motorcycle accident in Happy Days and is unconscious and Fonzie is in the hospital room and he has that like talk with God and I'm just like absolute a fucking puddle on the floor. Oh, man. Did you watch Happy Days? Uh, Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, I'll show it to you. You'll have you seen the Fresh Prince clip where. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why don't he want me? Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I had a riff. With a friend about that. And I ended up deleting it because I'm like, I know there's a lot of people that really are affected by this. I felt so bad, but it was like she and I were going back and forth and it was like, I haven't been able to have a decent erection since you moved into this house. I wish you would just get the fuck out. Like you're just railing on them, you know, like you are a burden to me and everyone in this family. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that but that's a good scene though. Um, where are we at for time? Yeah, we're we're about there. Yeah. Um, so, sure. <laughs> there is a remake. You want to know what sucks about the remake? The uh, John Ryder is the one that's pulled in half by the truck at the end. Oh, I know, lame. That's another thing. I thought that that happened. There was uh, some memory I had where. That happens at the end of the movie, and it's very isolated. So then, mm. watching it now, I'm like, "Oh fuck!" Like the cops are like, "Hey, remember that? Out. Yeah, remember that girl that got ripped in half? That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. Don't um, worry, none of us saw it. We faded out. Where are we gonna we find another diner it. waitress? Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, it was tragic though. Tore me up, so to speak. Also, but, that family at the beginning. Who has picked him up? Don't yeah. pick up if you're on a family vacation. It's one thing if I'm like I'm driving and I have kids, yeah, but they're not with me. Should I pick up this hitchhiker? Uh, maybe. If you're driving and you have kids with you, do not, or don't put them in the fucking back seat with <laughs> yeah, them, especially with them. Right? They did. Yeah, I'm not okay. Maybe not the kid, but the parents deserved it at that point. Oh. You know, let the kids just. You know, forage for food on their sitting own. Sitting there with that kid, shoot him, shoot him. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, no, yeah. I also, because you don't see him in the car, so you have to imagine he was like scrunched down the seat, and he's like, "Watch this, kids." Yeah, this is gonna be hilarious. I know <laughs> yeah. this guy. Don't worry. <laughs> yes. No, that's uh, it's so eerie, and that that's something that the movie does well. And you know, I sh- I probably should think about this movie more often when people are like. I mean, I guess it's not gothic scary, but there's always like, especially around this time of year as we get closer to Halloween and everybody's like, I'm just looking for like a scary movie. Like, I don't want blood and guts. Like, I just want something scary. This is probably a decent recommend for that. Yeah. Just like something creepy if they haven't seen it. Yeah. And I'd say it also has a lot of layers to it and a lot of interpretation can be applied to it, which 
does make a movie better, in my opinion. Well, it pro- it probably should be talked about more than it is. That's what I was trying to get at. Where I'm like, do people know the Hitcher? Like, yeah, I, I just kind of the, assumed. The ver- we should say the version that you you can't rent this from oh. Apple. You can't rent this from Amazon. It's like on HBO Max. That's it, and it's like the the four by three ratio like you were watching it on a tube television yeah if you were it's excited the black bars on the sides which is just something you haven't had to deal with in a long time if you ran out and bought yourself a nice big flat screen tv and you're like hey guys come over we're gonna watch the hitcher yeah yeah we just put that aside because and it's one of those weird things too and i forgot that they did this but when they would run the credits for some reason the credits would run in a letterbox so when you're watching the movie, you for the opening credits, you you have your black bars on the sides because it's only a square, right? In yeah. Rectangle television. But then because it's the credits, I also have the letterbox black bars on the top and bottom. So it's the very beginning of the movie is like a very tiny picture. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Because yeah, once yeah. the credits no. are over, it goes back to its yes. full, full square. Not you, it, doesn't, it won't fill your screen. But at least it gets rid of the black bars on the top and bottom. Right. And you're like, thank God. Yeah. Like, it's not much better, but yeah, it's better. Like, I can't. I was like, I cannot watch yeah, this. It'd I be can't like, watch this. Like when this. you first start watching it, it's like if you're in one of those families in the 80s that had like one of those space saver TVs that went under the cabinet in your kitchen. Yes. Like, it's practically at that level. Do you yeah. have to pee again? I do. Oh, my God. No, but, you but to you've got to run through the uh, the action. So it's a good time. You can do it. Are we at the end? Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll close it up. Okay. So that was uh, The Hitcher from 19. No, I don't have my notes up. 1986. Sorry. Uh, please join us next week. We are going to cover a Jamie Lee Curtis movie, and it's not the one you think. It's that aerobics movie. No, I can't. I couldn't remember the aerobics movie name, but John Travolta. You should see it. It's a lot of pumping. Uh, but no, we're doing Prom Night from 1980. Prom Night from 1980. So please join us next week for that. Um, again, rate us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do that. Uh, you know, all the website stuff. Check us out on Instagram. We're on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Main thing, uh, go uh, get tickets to our live show. Uh, there are There is a link in the notes of this episode, or if you're like, I'm just kind of like on my mobile right now, what can I do? Go to chicagostreet.org and then go to the misery page and the, 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 the tickets should be within there, or you can use the direct link that we've provided. Um, you, yeah. And a huge thanks to our patrons. You, Oh, uh, please use the promo code slumber to get 10% off your ticket. And it goes towards helping a fantastic theater. Um, and a huge thanks to our patrons. You help make this show possible. We'll be shouting you out at the live show. Unless you don't want us to, if you hear this and you're like, please don't say my name out loud. Let us know. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's it. Tim, do you got anything else to say about the hitcher? Well, I not necessarily about the hitcher, but just about what I was talking about earlier with, uh, with Roger Ebert, that just as kind of like a, a, some life advice out there, just here we are. You know, we're kind of a, a young upstart podcast, and and I'm so excited, like, the places that we're going 
And you've got somebody like Roger Ebert, who's seen as probably maybe the, the, the ultimate in movie critics. And I think we just kind of laid ways to him in this episode. <laughs> and it just kind of, it just, it just lets me know the mantra that I always go by and that everybody should go by. I have this, I have this, uh, this, little rhyme that I remember when my girls were first starting high school and we were driving up to the school and they were nervous about it. And I, it was just kind of like a chant. And I would say, um, believe in yourself, believe in yourself, believe, believe, believe in yourself. Can you give me a beat? Believe in yourself, believe in yourself. Believe, believe, believe in yourself. Can you go double time? Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe, believe, believe in yourself. One more time. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe, believe, believe in yourself. <laughs> What do we say after that? Woo! Uh, this house will bow. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>